I invite you to hear this reading from Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 4, beginning in verse 1, 1 through 5, and then again in verses 13 through 17. What then are we to say was gained by Abraham, our ancestor according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now, to one who works, wages are not reckoned as a gift, but as something due. But to one who without works trusts him who justifies the ungodly, such faith is reckoned as righteousness. For the promise that he would inherit the world did not come to Abraham or his descendants through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. If it is the inheritance of the law who are to be heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there violation. For this reason... It depends on faith in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his descendants, not only to the descendants of the law, but also to those who share the faith of Abraham. Because he is the father of us all, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations." In the presence of the God whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. It is always a great pleasure to be here on Sunday mornings at Johnson Street. Several have asked, Vicki is not with me today, she's in Ohio seeing to her mother Uh, who has advanced stages of Alzheimer, and she spends some time with her dad working out some of the needed and important and difficult kinds of questions that come along with um, uh, the struggle at the end of life as Alzheimer's uh, takes a person's uh, vitality and life away from them and from their families. Which meant that she had to get up and take an early, early flight yesterday Uh, So we set the alarm Saturday morning for uh, 5 o'clock, but somehow or another before we went to bed, the alarm clock got bumped and uh, went up another hour. It was like we were doing what we were supposed to do today, yesterday. So we get up at 5, she gets into the shower, and I get to walking around and realize that every other clock in the house says 4. And it takes me a little while to really, is it? is this the day? No, no, it's tomorrow, and I'm, I'm going through all of this. And uh, She comes out of the shower, and I say, well, we're up an hour early. It's four, not five, and she goes, oh, good grief. And uh, we think, well, do we go back to bed, or do you just stay up? We just stayed up, and it seemed like yesterday was dark so long. And then I get up this morning, and uh, I drive, and I drive, and I drive, and I drive, and I get past Ballinger before I see any daylight and uh, you know it's sometimes our faith can be that way it just seems like it's dark 
dark. Is God here? Is God real? Is God at work in my life? And yet this morning, as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, I want to say to you that God is communicating to us. Uh, There's an old story. It may be apocryphal. It's been handed down from who knows where about uh, a day and an age when the high technology, the latest technology, was the telegraph, where we communicated with little clicks to get information from one place to another quickly. At any rate, there was a young man who answered an ad in the newspaper, which we don't do that much anymore either, do we, uh, to, uh, as an application for a telegraph operator. He puts on his good clothes and he... Uh, goes to the office. He walks in. There's a busy office. There's noise and uh, all around. A telegraph is clicking away in the background. He goes to the desk where there's a sign that says sign in and he fills out all the paperwork. And he sits down with about six or seven other people who've come to apply for the job. They're all sitting there very uh, still waiting. And then suddenly the young man gets up and walks across the room, opens a door, and walks into an inner office. The other applicants scratch their heads and look and say, what in the world? Who does he think he is stepping off like that? And then, in just a few minutes, the employer walks out with the young man and says to the other applicants, I'm sorry, the job has been taken. This young man will have the position. Thank you very much for coming. Well, they are just astounded by this, grumbling. He was the last one in. How does he get to get the job, being so presumptuous as to just go in unannounced? Well, the employer said, well, all the while you've been sitting here, there's been a telegraph clicking away. And the message it's been saying is, if you hear this message and understand it, please come on in the door. The job is yours. What I want to say this morning is God is calling us. He's inviting us into life with him. And that call and that life that he invites us into is one that is characterized by faith, by risk, by trusting in him. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. That is the message that I have for us this morning. And it goes back, way back, in the story of God's people, all the way back to Abraham and Sarah. The text I read a few moments ago from Romans is evoking the ancient story of of Abraham and Sarah, who back, all the way back in your Bible, Genesis chapter 12, were introduced to uh, this couple, Abram then, as he was known, and Sarah, and the word of the Lord comes to him. And speaks to Abram and says, go from your country and from your kindred and from your father's house to the land I will show you. And I'll make of you a great nation. And I will bless you. And I'll make your name great. And all the nations of the world will be blessed through you. This powerful invitation to Abraham and Sarah so, so long ago echoes throughout history down to every one of us. 
There was Abraham and Sarah living in the Ur of Chaldees in what we know as Iraq today, living in a large city. I'm sure they were comfortably well off. They, uh, things were going good for them. They knew where all the grocery stores were at. The butcher had been their butcher for generations. They, they could find their way around town. All is well, and yet there was some hunger, some longing in their life that when God spoke these words, they rose up and packed up and headed out on a journey of faith, a journey of living life with God, a journey that, as they came to find out, and as we come to find out, also has times of darkness. The sun doesn't come up when we think it ought to come up. Uh, the promise of having a children, of having children, and of being a great nation doesn't seem to materialize. And Abraham and Sarah wrestle and struggle with this journey of faith, just like we wrestle and struggle with our journeys of faith. Sometimes we try to manipulate and get things to happen the way we think God wants them to happen in our life. And so Abraham says to God, "Here's my servant. Let's make him my son." Or then a little later on, Sarah and Abraham get to thinking about this, and Sarah's idea is, well, why don't you take Hagar as your wife, and let's have children through her. That didn't work out so good. There is this constant struggle and and, uh, trying to find the way to make our way through with faith, sort of partnering with God and trying to help him out, and yet the word of the story of Abraham is that the journey of faith begins and ends with God's action and not ours. God is the one who is in control of this business of faith. Our task is to trust and relinquish, knowing that God will work his will and purpose out in our life, your life and mine, on his time and in his good way. A few days ago, and I had some conversations again with a cousin. It's a cousin that I don't get to see very often. She lives in Portland, Oregon. Our paths don't cross very often. We were talking about her mom, my aunt, her mother. It's it's an interesting story about my aunt, Aunt Rhoda. She's been gone now for probably nearly 30 years. Her life was a life of a journey of faith, a journey that took her into a far, far country. I'm talking metaphorically. She got married at age 16 or 17, long uh, before she really should have. That marriage ended in miscarriage and divorce, tragedy and heartbreak. It took her down a path of alcoholism. It took her on a journey where she distanced herself from her, her immediate family long, long before I was born, away from her family, her parents, her siblings. And, uh, and then slowly, slowly, piece by piece, her life began to come back together. Another man entered her life. A fairly good marriage occurred. My cousin was born. And uh, toward the end of her life, I got to know her again as she moved back to the town that I and my family, immediate family, lived in. And although she struggled with many things through the end of her life, what my cousin and I were talking about is how God was faithful to work out his call in her life, even though it took a whole lifetime for it all to come together. 
Such is the journey that Abraham and Sarah were on, and such is the journey that you and I are on. God working things out slowly, steadily, in his own way, in his own time, yet we can be faithful, know that God is faithful to work out his purposes, even when we find our lives in a time of darkness. And even though we may not hear the click, click, click of the telegraph all that well, He is at work. J.R.R. Tolkien, the author, Lord of the Rings is what you might think of, once wrote saying this, that no man can estimate what is really happening in the moment. All we do know, and that to a large extent by direct experience, is that although evil may be working with vast power and perpetual success, it is all in vain preparing always only the soil for unexpected good to sprout in. That is to say, following Tolkien, is that God is working out his purposes in our lives, moving things forward even when we think we're going backward, or even when we're not sure about our our faith or our life, that God is at work, that God is bringing good even out of darkness. And so how do we respond? How do we live a life like Abraham, who even though everything looked dark in his life, continued to trust and depend upon the life and goodness of God in his life? Well, my suggestion is that we just jump in and act as if we know what we're doing. That we jump in and live our life living our life devoted to Jesus Christ, even when we don't know or quite can sort out what it all means or what it might look like. I was reminded uh, about the, uh, a figure by the name of George Bernard Danzig. Danzig. He was a computer mathematical programmer, genius, statistical guy. I don't know what to call him. Uh, in fact, I'm going to have to talk to the mathematician in the room and see if he's ever heard of this, this cat. He died about a decade ago, but he was known as one of, the, one of the experts in statistics and how to do computations and that sort of thing. When he was a graduate student working on his doctoral program at UC Berkeley, this is back 60, 70 years ago, he arrived late to class one day, and the professor had written up some things on the board, and there were two uh, theorems there, two, uh, uh, two problems on the board. He came in late. He assumed that was the homework, so he jotted them down, and, uh, and then a few days later came to the professor and said, here's my homework. I'm, sh- I'm sorry it's late. What he had done was taken two theories or ideas that had been expressed in equations that were, had not been ever solved before, And he'd figured them out. The conundrum theory, some such thing as that. Why? In part, because he just assumed that was what he was supposed to do, to take on that task. You and I are just simply called on to live our lives faithfully and allow God to do his work in us. And if we do the work that we see before us to do, to be faithful in the calling that's given to us in the moment, God is able to do the good work that he longs to do in and through us. The one thing we can count on is that God is not arbitrary in his relationship to us. 
He will not be off and on or push us one way and then the other. He is constant and steady. There is no flakiness about the God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God who can call something out of nothing, as we read in our text today. Maybe you've seen the the movie Monty Python and the Holy Grail, but the little incident in that movie that I want to remind us of this morning as I try to make this point about the character and the goodness and the faithfulness of God. Arthur and his knights come to this place where they have to cross over a bridge, the bridge over the, the gap of eternal peril. Do you remember this scene? And there the knights are. They, to cross over, you've got to answer three questions. So Lancelot is first. The bridge keeper says to Lancelot, what is your name? Lancelot, what is your quest to seek the Holy Grail? What is your favorite color? Blue. Very good. Pass on. Then the next, uh, next night comes up. The first two questions go off with a, without a hitch. The third question is, what is the capital of Assyria? The knight stammers and says, I don't know. And off he goes into the pit or into the, into the abyss, into the pit. The third night, Sir Galahad is nervous as he's asked his name and his quest, but he answers correctly. And then comes the question, what is your favorite color? And in his nervousness, he starts to say, blue, no, it's yellow. And no, and off he goes into the pit. He answers wrongly. Then comes King Arthur. What is your name? Well, I am Arthur, king of the Britons. What is your quest to, to seek the grail? What is, what is the airspeed velocity of an unladen swallow? And Arthur says, what do you mean? An African or European swallow? And the bridge keeper says, I don't know. And boo, off he goes. (laughs) That's not God. God is not asking arbitrary questions of us. Nor will God be stumped by any of the questions we might ask of him. God made a covenant, a covenant with Abraham and with Sarah. And that covenant has extended on and on until all the nations of the world will be blessed through you, according to Genesis chapter 12, and echoed in Romans chapter 4 in the verses that we've read and thought about this morning. It is, he is faithful and true. You and I have received our calling. In the waters of baptism, we have been called to live the life of faith. And I'm inviting you this morning even in times of darkness and uncertainty, to listen quietly for the tapping of the telegraph of God that speaks his eternal love to you and I and that continues to invite us in the act of faith to trust in him and let him do his gracious and good work in your life and in our life together as the community of God. Let's stand and celebrate this great God this morning.